90s, the podcast where your two hosts are ranking all of the alternative albums of the 90s. And this week we're ranking four of them. And uh, so this is going to be a, an adventure, a first first time experiment with what I believe we're calling our obligation special. Um, just ranking some albums that we cannot do an entire segment about any of any of the four. Um, but that doesn't mean they're all bad. We we like a couple of these albums and really, really dislike a couple of them as well. Um, I'm your host, Natalie, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Hadrian. How are you doing, Hadrian? Ah, oh, pretty good. Tried those fucking incognito burgers. Incognito. Me- yeah, incognito. You gotta really emphasize the meat. Meat-o. They're not as good as Beyond Burgers. No, they're not. But, you know, it was it's fine. Morningstar is doing a thing. I just wish that they could make anything that didn't have soy in it at this point. Yeah. It's, soy has a particular texture, and if you want that, you want that. And if you don't want that... I just, as someone who eats a lot of fake meat, I just want more variety in my, in my diet. Not because, not because I believe soy, you know, makes you a woman or whatever, because if that were the case, I'd, you know, eat eat a lot more of it. (laughs) Eat the butt, madam. Yeah, exactly. Um... No, it soy does nothing to uh to augment the the hormones I already take, so which is unfortunate. But uh Beyond Burgers are better. They they taste better. Yeah, I, I would eat these again. They taste better than real burgers. That's debatable. They, I, they says, do to me. I mean, I so like I've gone vegan since this show started, and now I'm just like. I mean, I could, I could get down with a good charbroiled burger, but like, I I don't. I'm doing it for you know ethical reasons, so I'm I'm not going to eat meat. But and I, I've never I was never the biggest fan of of beef. I grew up on a I grew up on a, a a cow and chicken farm, so like chicken and beef are two pretty primary sources of protein for me. And I, I mean, I, it was just so expensive, so I didn't really buy a lot of beef, which is crazy considering our consumption of beef and how prevalent, prevalent it is in farming. Again, that's the thing that's weird in all of farming. It's like the thing that's the most readily farmed is also the most expensive. Humans are dumb. The thing, the only time I ever crave beef is uh, beef broccoli from from local Chinese restaurant Hunan Manor that you won't know about if you don't live here. They Other Chinese restaurants are available. Broccoli. Well, yes, but <laughs> sp- specifically Hunan's beef broccoli is what I crave. I don't, I don't care about anyone else's. It's theirs has a particular something in the sauce is, is different. Well, now they're shit because I got purchased by someone else. So uh, it still tastes pretty much the same. It's not quite as good. But anyway. No, you know what I don't ever crave? Fucking pod? I, I, I never crave a pork roll egg and cheese. Ugh. But we're not doing that album first. But I couldn't resist that sideway. So tell us what we're doing first. What, what are, what's the first of these four? Are you, are you really going to make me do Eve 6 first? That's what you said you wanted to do. I thought we were going to do Ween first. Anyway, uh, so yeah. So I guess we're going to start with Eve 6 because Natalie fucking hated this album. Spoilers. No, I'm starting with it because you said right before we started we'll do Eve 6 first. Oh, I don't remember saying it that way, but apparently I did. So here we are with <laughs> Eve 6. Self-titled album, Eve 6. And they are a alternative pop-punk band from Southern California, which they make repeated reference to in their album. And I don't hate this this entire piece of music, 
Uh, you might know that Eve Six is named after the FBI, uh, the, sorry, fucking FBI, the X Files character Eve, who was the sixth one of them. So Eve Six, and they have one song you probably know, which is Inside Out, which is they want to put my tender heart in a blender and watch it spin around to a beautiful oblivion. So if you don't know that lyric. I'm, I can't help you with these things. If, if you don't know that lyric, consider yourself lucky. Look, so I will say Natalie's going to fucking hate this band. I don't think they're the worst. I think they are on par with the Caulfields when it comes to disaffected California like pop punk music. And they are... they. I think they're actually better musicians than the Caulfields in many ways. I like the lead singer's voice a lot. He... Definitely, definitely, the style of music they're playing is more. So, so this came out, album came out in nineteen ninety eight, I believe. Yes, nineteen ninety eight. So in nineteen ninety eight, the the real like commercialized punk sound was becoming a thing. It was still alternative at this point, but then in the next few years, you'd get Good Charlotte. And I think Good Charlotte was already listening to this band. I don't. I'm not. This is not one of those situations. I'll be like, this. Is I think it. this band only ever listened to Green Day. Yeah, so Green Day definitely like pioneered the like pop punk situation, which is like eventually we'll have to do some Green Day on this show. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. This album is not terrible. It's not great, and this band did not last very long, largely because their rhythms and sound are very predictable, but not bad. It's very competent, but contained in a format that just this is the sound that we do to do the sound that we want have you have you heard a green day album then you've heard this one no they're they're different than green day because green day is more inventive they're a green day if green day had been on the football team they're so it's such a fucking it's such meathead rock i don't think that's true but i don't think it's particularly progressive either it's it's somewhere in the middle it was it, it reached disaffected youth and I, I know this from my experience being a children at this time, and the albums reach into my teens, where there would always be that one guy who had, who was who was going to probably become emo in the next few years, who very much liked Inside Out, and I will admit, in, in my weakness at this time, that was the only Eve Six song I had in my playlist. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that song aside from the lyrics. Oh, the, and lyrics the lyrics are, bad. are like embarrassing. This this album as a whole had probably the worst lyrics of any album we've ever done. <laughs> I I think it's but the thing is that it's so like banal in a way that's like it's fine. It's it's not being aggressively sexist like the Caulfield's album was being. It's not cloyingly pedantic the way that the that Oasis is. I I remember thinking there was some real like infantilizing women going on in this album, but I only listened to it once because I could not make myself listen to it a second time. Like may- maybe it's there, but I don't it's, hear it. Yeah, I, I don't remember. I may be thinking of something else I listened to this week. Um, so I'm not gonna like come down hard on it for that. I should have I should have listened to it a second time. But you I should just have given everything couldn't. at least two listens because I did that for everything else besides yeah, me. Uh. Oh, so so there was one that you didn't listen to. I listen, I've listened to the pod several times in my life, <laughs> twice this week. Oh Christ! Well, okay, I I let every song start 
I didn't finish every song. <laughs> but we're not I, gonna... I, pl- I listened to this whole album. I listened to Eve Six all the way through. This so. album is not the absolute fucking worst. It, it, it is kind of just junk food of music. Like, you don't care about it. You don't really want to think about it. And I, to, to describe it as offensive and off, off point in any way is wrong. I don't think it deserves <laughs> any abuse because it's just... It's just there. And I think the, with Billy Joe Armstrong singing it and writing the lyrics, it wouldn't. But I see. I don't. I don't get the same connection to this band as to Green Day. But I also don't listen to a lot of Green Day, and I think that Billy Joe Armstrong's voice is so much different that that is a like crucial differentiation between these two sounds. Yeah, because this guy sounds like the sounds like a linebacker, and Billy Joe he Armstrong does not sound like, like a snotty punk kid. That was all I could think listening to this, is this is the people who Kurt Cobain was singing about who, you know. I mean, this is what all like pop punk sounded like in the 2000s. Like, the, this band wasn't influential, but it yeah, was on trend. I hated trend. almost all that shit. Like, Green Day is well, the... Guess what, Natalie? You one. you can hate that shit all you want, but it exists. <laughs> and it's something that people have formative experiences with. Like, I owned that fucking first Good Charlotte album. I am ashamed to admit this on the internet, and I'm going to say it. No, you're the right age. There's nothing wrong with you listening to Good Charlotte. And that's the other reason I think I find this album fine. Because it makes me think of driving through Tulsa in in 1998, and just, like, it's a hot, muggy Tulsa summer sound. And because Tulsa is home, I've said this previously, it's home to an alternative music festival, and that's when, when that, whenever that that show goes on, the uh, alternative station DJs would heavily play anyone who's going to be there, and Eve Six was going to be there. And so, like this, this song, all, uh, Inside Out, definitely charted. I don't remember exactly where it ranked. It was pretty high. That one was enough of a hit that I had heard it before. Yeah, it, it was. It was there. There were one hit wonder if we wanted to put it in that thing. I think more than. Harvey. Yeah, I wasn't sure if they were or not because I I knew that song. I didn't know if they had any other song that like was anywhere near that big. Yeah, so I mean, like, Harvey Danger did have other songs that charted, but like Eve Six never really did. So they're more definitively like a one hit wonder. And I think when we when I mentioned Harvey Danger in conjunction with this band, that's falling through the same like post grunge going through a pop punk sound. And Harvey Danger is a different spectrum of that. I would actually compare Harvey Danger more to Green Day than I would this band. Uh, just because I think I have a, a later pop punk in, influence in my brain, so I get more of a good Charlotte sound from them. And it, it's just, it's just a, a very like malaise of music. All of the music that sounded like this was kind of like not nothing much to write home about. And it's like everybody's brother's band in like the early 2000s played music like this. Yeah. There were so many of these bands that just nobody remembers now. Like Blink-182 and Good Charlotte are like the only ones. I and Blink-182 is, remembered. is fucking just choice compared to either any of these bands. I like Blink-182. I, I have not listened to them enough to see like I don't even hate pop punk. I just that period of like I like Green Day just fine. I like Paramore if you want to talk about embarrassing things to admit on the on the air. Although uh, Haley Williams solo album was real fucking good. There's nothing to be ashamed of like in that one. But like there is pop punk that I like it just 
I I don't like when it sounds like it's by jocks. Like it, I just I can't that that part of my high school brain still like won't. I think the problem is that off. these guys sound like they had music lessons because they they can play their instruments. There's like there's no like poor musicianship. No, not here. at all. And like and that's, that's the thing is it's too polished. It's it's of a sound. That's why it's like. The Caulfields had a, a bit of a bit of an edge to them in the way that they were composing things, and this is sincerely too polished. It's a very Southern California derivative sound of just like this is white people being edgy in Southern California, and right. And you can't do that. You either have to be shitty, or you have to be like like Green Day. I know I keep bringing them up, but I really do feel like that's the only influence this album has. I don't, I don't, like, I, I sincerely don't think that is because I don't hear it, but that's fine. Um, but like what I was going to say is like Green Day, you know, the production level that Green Day hit on like American Idiot and stuff like that, where it's, it, it is that next level. Like this is blandly competent. Like the musicianship is blandly competent. The production is blandly competent. Most of the lyrics are blandly competent until they're just super cringeworthy. <laughs> Like, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I, I listened to it once. I hated everything about it. And, like, I, I'm glad that I never have to hear it again. Uh, I, I really like, uh, the songs I like on it are, you know, In, Inside Out, Leech, and Showerhead. And Oh, Showerhead. That's, man, talk about some terrible fucking lyrics i know but it's the sound yeah that's i I do remember musically that being like probably the best song that's the hook for this band is honestly their music their music is fine and like that's that's the reason that they they stick around but like if you haven't listened to it showerhead is a song about getting head in the shower Mm -hmm. like that's that's the level we're operating at here but yeah no it's fine like it's fucking fine uh Superhero Girl's fine, Tongue Tied's fine. Like all these songs are just like forgettable. But I fine. think Superhero Girl was the song that like put me off a lot. Like made me think like, oh, these guys are super shitty because uh, it's it's like a manic pixie dream girl song, which which at to the be time fair, was in nineteen ninety eight was not as egregious as it would be now. But yeah. so like, still bad though. Yeah, uh, I think that's all I've got to say on this one. It's like it's fine. Yeah, definitely it, all I have to say. <laughs> all right, well, hit me with something here. Uh, I was going to say it's probably right below the Caulfields. No, it's not better than Monster. Or it's, <laughs> and it's definitely not going above Pretty on... I, I I think this is like a hundred times worse than, than Space Hog. I think this is a hundred times worse than the pod. <laughs> it's absolutely not, and I will give you. We can put it below hole, but I'm not putting anything lower than that. Uh, you you gotta really twist the knife, putting it above Manscape. I'm not even doing it intentionally. It. I, I mean, what, Uncle Anesthesia is so much better than this musically. <laughs> Like, uh, all right, all right. I will give you. Can can we at least, if we can't put it where it really belongs, which is like number five hundred and sixty? I think you you don't. So my 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 big argument here is going to be that you are you have a very aggressive stance against any music that sounds like it came from a a just like nonsense nineties state as far as it comes to post punk and uh experimental passion projects that aren't noise because all the albums that I've listed that are lower than that are things that fall into that category. And so I will put it above rest development but below screaming trees. 
Okay, if that's... I mean, I legitimately think that Resident Alien is a way better album than this, but... Like, I think there's more more ideas, more going on, better I think this is one of those things where we talk about the song that charted, and I think the fact that Inside Out did so well, and, like, I unironically still enjoy that song. Yeah, I just, like, I, I could go that way with Marcy Playground, because the song that charted was, like, barely original. I mean, this just sounds like Green Day, and so it's a lot harder for me to say, like, oh, yeah, they had that one hit. And, the, and then it deserves more because of that one hit when that one hit was so derivative. But I, I'll take what I can get. At, I'm reserving the the bottom of the list for something else. <laughs> no, I know. I and I think that that album is is way better than this one. But okay, if the best I'm going to get is between Uncle Anastasia and, and Three Years, Five Months, it's as long as I can get it under Manscape and Uncle Anastasia, <laughs> I will take that. As a small victory. Okay, so that puts Eve Six as Eve Six by Eve Six, self-titled album between Uncle Anesthesia by Streaming Trees and Three Years, Five Months, and Two Days in the Life of by Arrested Development, which makes it the new number thirty-six. On to the pod. Fuck in the pod. <laughs> All right. Well, this one's this one's mine. So I will say. I fucking hate this album, but I also will say I developed a grudging respect for it. For some of it. (laughs) So, The Pod is Ween's album from 1991. It was recorded entirely on a four-track in their apartment, which they called The Pod, thus the title of the album. The cover of the album is uh, temporary band member Mean Ween um, wearing a nitrous oxide bong but it's just a cutout of his head pasted onto a leonard cohen album which that i appreciate that's funny yeah that, that is funny it also led to the rumor that the album was recorded while the band was on a scotch guard huffing bender which is not true they they have said that that's that that was a, that was a thing they made up because they thought it was funny to, because they thought that huffing scotch guard was like the most dirtbag thing you could do so they were like yeah, we were fucking huffing some Scotch Guard when we made this, and everyone took them seriously. Well, if you listen to the song Polo Asado, I would, uh, Pollo Asado, I would definitely believe that. Oh, I'm sure they were doing fuck tons of drugs, but apparently Scotch Guard was not one of them. Um, the other major thing about this album is that the band got mononucleosis while recording it and did not stop working. Uh... And so they wrote a song called Mononucleosis. See, okay, so I liked a lot about Ween. I, 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 I hate a lot about Ween. Generally, I respect them, but this this song or this album is just fucking around in the studio. The album, like most of these, aren't songs. Most of the tracks, I mean, there's literally a track where where uh, Gene Ween like just falls over laughing in the middle of the song and like that gets left in yeah which is not necessarily a thing that's gonna count against an album for me but in this case it did natalie this shit is unlistenable yeah no i i think the majority of the album and there's a lot of it is unlistenable i think that dr rock is a good song i think that it has a great fucking guitar solo like dean ween is an awesome guitarist 
and that that is like kind of the one place on the album where he gets to show it. it yeah, that's the one good song. Sketches of Winkle is a good song. Mm. I think Sketches of Winkle is probably the best song on the album. I, I think it's I, like an I Iron think Maiden I prefer. Pastiche. It is, but I think I prefer Doctor Rock. But I, I I'm not going to fight you on that one because I think that's fine. Doctor Rock, I don't like the amount of flanger that gets used. That is not an effect that I like. I, I think it's a really like should have stayed in the '70s kind of guitar effect. Actually, I think they use it on the vocals in Doctor Rock, or or they put it on the entire recording. I, I don't remember now. I punched my desk listening to the Stallion. Okay, I think the Stallion Part One is really funny. It's not a good song. And it doesn't like give the album any extra points, but I think that song is really funny. I, I slapped my desk and went, "What the fuck?" So th- th- they would continue to make more and more parts of the stallion. <laughs> oh, I don't listen to Ween. This should probably be apparent. I don't fucking. I don't um, fuck with this. Yeah, so like Captain Fantasy, I, I made a note on that one that it's like that is a really good encapsulation of my problem with the pod and why I don't understand why it's like really beloved with Ween fans. Like Captain Fantasy could have been like a pretty okay song, but they chose to record it with like a fucking like karaoke mic. Yeah, it like it, the P's are popping really loud and there's a lot of reverb and delay so it really makes it way worse (laughs) um i think that right to the ways and the rules of the world is why tenacious d exists lyrically that song sounds so much like a tenacious d song to me and see i what i got from that was a hardcore bully parody because it was just supposed to be the man who sold the world yeah i'm sure that's that's true um because it's like it like the way he's singing is like it's like the man is all the world. Yeah, I mean it's obvious. So that's like kind of Ween's thing, though. Is like they they're, so that, they're that, obnoxious assholes, but they can kind of do every style of music. They're like, the reason pretty the flight well. of the Concords exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're 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 a more obnoxious flight of the Concords. Way more obnoxious, definitely. But, like, I also think they're really funny sometimes. Not so much on this album, but <laughs> outside of uh, of The Stallion. Uh, like, things like the, the pork roll egg and cheese thing that I alluded to. That is a joke that they weave throughout the entire album. And it's not funny, but, like, I respect the devotion to that. <laughs> like, it, it, like, think how good it would be if that joke were funny and they kept bringing it back. I wouldn't. I don't know. I my one my one engagement with something when doing this was uh, the duels and the reference to Jimmy Delancia, which is a character that they created for their album, and so. Jimmy Delancia breaks his back. And then like and they reference that across their two albums. And I'm like Okay. So I did a lot of research to figure out if that was a fucking person or not. It wasn't. It was a it was a construct of their lyrics. Yeah. And that ultimately annoyed the shit out of me, but it worked for the way the music sounded. Here, I don't give a shit about pork rolling and cheese. No, I don't either. I mean that's what I'm saying. It's not funny. It, like it obviously they thought it was hilarious. But if that were a funny joke and they brought it back the way that they do with the pork roll egg and cheese thing, 
of where they build build it up and build it up like it would be really great it's just that it's not funny so it's just annoying that they keep bringing it back it's just this this whole entire album is just fucking unlistenable there was one song i actually enjoyed and that that was dr rock and then after that it was just like i was i listened to albums also at work which i have to go into my office while natalie still continues to work from home and I was just going <laughs> the entire time I was listening to this album because it just made me want to fucking die. That was my, I mean, the first, very first time I tried to listen to the pod, that was very much my, my, my response was like, like, not only should this album never have been released, Ween should have been like murdered in the crib for making it. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, and but like, it, like I've softened on it obviously to the point that now I'm kind of defending it a little bit, which is weird because I still hate this album. <laughs> like, I think that the vast majority, like, there's two songs I like on this album, and like maybe two more that I would say are not literally unlistenable. No, where I wanted to cast this one into the fucking pits of hell was uh, Pollo Asado. Like, yeah, that that's terrible. And I got to that point, and I was just like, why? Why did you fucking? Why are you still making music? Why are you still making this album continue? Why are you fucking doing this? I'm gonna fucking come to your fucking house. Like that. That was the level of just like immediate anger I had at this <laughs> song being fucking terrible, going nowhere. And we all know I have a t- I have a difficulty dealing with just spoken word for no reason and you know samples. So it it, it just. That song alone, I cannot defend this album, and I will not tolerate defense <laughs> of this album. It was I can't defend the album. Like the re- I mean, ultimately, my like where I come down on this is like it's it, it is like pretty indefensible. It, it, like I'm more bothered by just how incomplete it sounds. Like there, there really is a difference between like fucking around and fucking around with a purpose so so like i mentioned the song or the ep or whatever it is um william bennett is my talk by the darrow gary jjj like go listen to that and that's like that's the fucking around i respect like that's really it's incredibly immature like literally the song is just the guy yelling show me your pussy in japanese (laughs) over like a sample of a disco record but but like if you listen to it i think you'll see there's something to it i don't feel that way about most of this album like the good stuff is like dr rock and sketches of winkle which are like hard rock pastiches and not like ween's own thing yeah it's not push the little daisies or or you know they just don't like ween yeah, I mean, we'll talk about the Ween albums that I think are good later, and, like, we'll we'll find out there, I guess. Um, but, like, I even think God Ween Satan is pretty good, and and that's pretty unlistenable, but, like, not in a way that I think it's, like, trash and, and shouldn't have come out. Whereas, like, I just really think that they should have, like, not recorded an album with mononucleosis and just not done... I mean... So the point of having a it's studio... It's so self-indulgent. Yeah, the point of having studio time is that you're paying for that fucking time so you don't waste it. <laughs> and when you don't waste your fucking time, you have an album that's half the length of this album. And I just... And somebody there to be like, 
there's no reason for you to put Pollo Asado out in any capacity. If you want to do it at your fucking shows, do it, but no one want to fucking stay for it, bitch. Like, that's just, I... No, I, I, I have it. zero. It's... So here's my thing, honestly. For bands like this, across the board, I have zero patience for just fucking, just self-indulgent, like, idiocy. I, I don't like humor music very much, even though I grew up on the Dr. Demento show. Like, somehow I transcended from that going, yeah, no, fucking rubber biscuits are way fucking better than anything you're gonna ever fucking do in your life. Like, steps in a big pile of shaving cream is more, you know, aspirational than anything on this fucking album. <laughs> like, I can't... I, I disagree with that, but I but I see... So, to me, the difference is why I like stuff like the Gero Gary Gay 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 and not this, is this, to me, feels like two guys who have lived together and get real high together and record all their in-jokes, which is completely uninteresting if you don't know them. And the Daryl Gary Gay Gay Gay, I feel like he's playing to an audience as opposed to him and a, a friend trying to make each other laugh. Yeah, which is where I'll also defend Tenacious D, because Jack Black has a sense of humor and he is trying to engage with people beyond his immediate set of interests. Even though it is it is me who fucked the dragon is a thing that he will shout very joyously, which is fine. I actually think that lyric's fine. I think pretty much all of the Tenacious D uh, Pick Up Destiny album is fine. Uh, it's... I know you don't like Jack Black and don't like Tenacious D, but I think that they are a bit more competent in this arena. As, as like... People who write comedy songs, yeah, their comedy songs are more successful than Ween's. I, 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 I think I also have like a, a prolonged indifference towards stoner humor. Uh, right, it, which is why "Piss Up a Rope" by Ween is fucking hilarious because it's an actual joke with a punchline. Yeah, and that's you know that's why it works when like the two of them like doing funny voices into an effects pedal and making each other laugh doesn't work yeah for anyone but them so here's the thing if you want to do your weird comedy concept album go to a fucking studio don't use a four track in your apartment because it's gonna sound bad but somehow your devoted fans are gonna think this is one of your best fucking albums because they're also probably incredibly high so i i just i'm looking sick <laughs> look I don't care what you imbibe, just this album's not good, and don't fucking defend it. <laughs> Man, you don't really know until you've had until you've listened to it when you have mono. <laughs> I've never had mononucleosis. I haven't either, and if I did, I would probably go out of my way to not listen to this album. <laughs> You're just being miserable, as far as I know. Anyway, this album fucking sucks. Let's fucking rank it. I mean, I think we know where it's going. <laughs> it's fucking bottom-ass fucking bottom. This album's fucking rank. Don't fucking deal with this. This is a fucking terrible fuck goddamn piece of shit. I hate this fucking album. I hate this fucking show format. And let's go. Yeah, I agree. It's it's the worst album we've done. I think it's better than the Eve Six album. I was I was really gonna fight to have it be above that, but um, that's that's like the only thing on the list that I could like conceivably say it's better than. I I just I fucking don't think so. I think that there is more actual passion in Space Hog than there is in this fucking piece of shit. In Space Hog, yeah, for sure. I like 
my only argument for why this is better than Eve Six is there are there are more original ideas in Doctor Rock than there are on the entire Eve Six album. I think that musically Eve Six is completely fucking fine, and it's in a realm of albums here where they're not necessarily terrible, but they're fine. Yeah, this well, album's, this album's terrible. pretty terrible. So, so yeah, the sorry Ween fans. I, I promise when we do Pure Duava and God Ween Satan and and the the rest i i will fight for those to not be at the bottom but this I one i make that cannot defend so the pod by ween i'm just gonna fucking leave my mechanical keyboard typing in there um new number 40 sorry i hated the pod more than you just fucking fuck them fuck them okay so next album is my favorite album this week by a, by a wide, wide margin. Um, and it is from 1994, Win and Vanitas by Breastglass. That's how it was. We're going with Breastglass. Sorry, French people, if I'm saying it wrong. Um, so this band is largely the project of Jim O'Rourke, who's kind of like a journeyman, like, experimental rock guitarist. Uh, he's been in Gaster del Sol like most famously probably Gaster del Sol and he uh toured with Sonic Youth. I don't remember if he played on Definitely any of Sonic like Youth. Definitely someone who would tour Sonic Youth. Yeah. And so it, and he's done a fuck ton of other stuff too. Um but doesn't not not terribly important here. Um so this band was initially formed by him and a guy named Darren Gray from a band called Dazzling Pillmen. And then uh, they finalized their lineup with uh, Dylan Posa, who was from the Flying Lutenbachers. And uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce this name. It, it's it looks like it is maybe a really weird spelling of Timmy. <laughs> um, it's T H Y M M E Jones. Yeah, Timmy. Who was in a also in a band called Cheer Accident. And the thing that ties all of those bands together is they were all on the label Skin Draft. So quick overview of Skin Draft, because they will come up again and again on this show as we go on. Um, they are, technically already have, because Melt Banana in, in the U.S. was released by Skin Draft. Um, Skin Draft started out as a comic, like an indie comic publisher that then decided to be a record label. And they specialize in, like, not exactly noise rock. Like, Melt Banana is one of the noisiest bands they have, but it's it's basically, like, no-wave revival stuff. Like, atonal, no-wave-inspired indie rock, basically. Um, so, like, this is a real... I mean, they're kind of a skin-draft supergroup, because um, Dazzling Tillman, Flying Lutenbachers, and Cheer Accident are all on skin-draft. Um, and then Jim, another of Jim O'Rourke's bands, Yona Kit, which is essentially Breeze Glass, but with K.K. Null, the Japanese noise guitarist, was running like simultaneous to this and I think was also on Skin Draft. So it's a, just a Skin Draft festival up in here. Um, I would actually say of... I'm, I don't have like an encyclopedic knowledge of Skin Draft releases, but like... I feel like this is one of the more sort of compositionally sophisticated ones. Um, I mean, a lot of it is real. I mean, it's very no wave. It, it's like short, spiky, super dissonant, kind of punky 
no wave. Whereas this is all instrumental and basically it's one long track. I mean, it's, there are five songs, but they all flow together. Yeah. And they all sound like they were meant to flow together. Part of that is because the way this album was made, they just, it, they just improved in the studio and then Jim O'Rourke cut the tape up and re-edited it, re-edited it into these songs. It's very droney, and that's one of the things, I'm not saying that in a bad way, like, it's one of those kind of, like, drone music albums that you're just like, yeah, I could just let this fucking rock, and you just let it drone in the background, and, like, that's, I know that doesn't sound like praise, but, like, it's fine. Well, no, I mean, that's <laughs> that's why it's here and not on its own episode, is because I love this album. I don't have a ton to say about it. I didn't I didn't have a bad reaction to it. I mean, I think there was one song that I skipped through some of. I'm going to guess that it was uh, Restrained from Do and Will Not Leave, which is the 10-minute or 11-minute long track that's mostly just drums overlaid on each other. Yes. <laughs> but I did skip through most of that. That's that's my and, least favorite on the album, for yeah, sure. Yeah, th- and that's a real thing, is that like, it definitely feels like people were like noodling in the studio and did just did stuff and then it got cut around and knowing that now that that sums up a lot of my feelings it makes me a little bit like easier on the sound but there were so the, every single track on this album is too long in the finish it sort of just goes like to a like place and you're like you could not have done that you could have kept that even if it's all one piece you could have cut that yeah, the only thing I feel should have been cut down is is restrained from Do and Will Not Leave, which is it just for what it is, it's way too long. It's almost like half the length of that it, song. It sounds cool. Like I I like the the sound of it because it's like I mean it literally sounds like it's either like two people playing the drums at the same time or they just cut you know cut up two drum parts and and like splice them back together um it's a neat sound it just there's no reason for it to last 11 minutes with with that um so the opening track um neither yield nor reap that one is the most known song on the album although i'm guessing most people who heard it didn't know what it was it was used the the part where the drums kick in Mm. on that song and it's like real industrial sounding like that was used on a saturday night live skit that makes sense um it was some kind of it was was like a skit with some kind of weird intro and that was the music they used for it so like a lot of people have heard that probably had no idea what it was but but if you if you remember a saturday night live sketch that opened with like some weird industrial drums and you didn't know what it was it was neither yield nor reap um my favorite well i i love neither yield nor reap the the in particular because the drums kick so much ass on that song. <laughs> um, I also really like, speaking of like bringing things back, um, I like how, because like when the drums kick in on that song, you know, it has that reverse reverb where like, yeah. like I like how they cut that little reverse reverb, like the, the reverse decay of the snare drum. They cut that in several times throughout the song before the drums kick in. So yeah. it's this it's this neat like foreshadowing of like something's gonna happen and then when it finally hits, it fucking hits. Um so I really love Host of Latecomers and Stump of a Drowner because um they use a sample of a shortwave radio station called WWV. <laughs> if you wondered what that like screech sound, the like dun 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 
I had a, a pretty good impression. That of is a, a shortwave atomic clock radio station called WWV. They they sample it in Host of Latecomers, but the song doesn't like that that's like the fastest song in the album. And then the next song, Stump of a Drowner, it's like that sample comes back out from under the noise of the previous song and it like it is the rhythm for that song, which I think is super cool. Um, and then we talked a lot about Restrain from Do and Will Not Leave, which is too long and just all drumming. <laughs> um, yep. So, I, you know, that's kind of, I've said my piece. I think this is a really cool album. I think if you like atonal experimental rock, you definitely need to listen to it if you haven't already. If you just like Skin Draft Records, you definitely need to listen to it. Um, if you like Sonic Youth or Melt Banana, I think it will be rewarding, or Glen Branca any of that um it's just it's really good and i'm sad this is the only thing this band did well they they put out a seven inch single also but this is the only extended piece of recording they ever did yeah it's, it's completely fine like it's not my it's not my kind of music but i can appreciate the, the the artistry that went into it and it doesn't overstay it's welcome they did exactly what they wanted to do and then it just ends and that's a lot and so did the band <laughs> <laughs> did exactly what they wanted to do and then ended uh, no, it's. I think it's fine. Honestly, I think it's absolutely fine. Okay. Well, so as far as ranking, my my like, let me get this out, and then you can fight me down on it. I would personally put it at number sixteen between Rag and Roll and Viva La Woman because I, oh. I the reason I would put it there is because What to Do About Them by the Swirlies is at number seventeen, and I think this is a similar experimental rock album that is better than that. But then looking at that, I was like, oh, well, this is better than Viva La Woman, too. But I understand if you don't feel oh. the same way. So if you want to, like, you know. I, sh- I shit on Ween so hard. I can't I can't <laughs> rate this album, so I can't rate this album. Remember lower. that Eve 6 is not the worst, not the lowest album on, <laughs> the, on yeah, our Yeah, because they're not the worst album that we listened to this week. Um, Man, I don't want to put this Gary Newman, but you know what? Fine. Fucking do it. Uh, where's Gary Newman? Oh, 24. Yeah. So I think this needs to be above Marcy Playground. But you see what I mean, though, right? Like. No, I think this like blows that Gary Newman oh. album out of the universe. <laughs> like, oh, it's not that good. But I'll, I'll... I don't think that Gary Newman album is, is that good either. I'll, I'll meet you above Uncle Tupelo. Um, number 20 okay I can deal with that I think that's a reasonable place because the fucking Sparks album is there and you're not gonna fucking fight me to yeah. say that this album I mean, is this better is, than this is better than the Sparks album no it's not we are we are you know collaborating on this list so if I can get it that high I mean I, I think it is better than what to do about them but it, it's honestly I'm on the fence about whether it's better than Reachin' which I know sounds weird because Reachin' is below what to do about them but it just I used what to do about them as a, as a comparison as another experimental rock album, and I think this one is better than it. But all right, so we're gonna put this at number twenty between gratuitous sax and senseless violins and no depression. And I forgot to give us a break between uh, the first two albums and the third and fourth. So let's take a break, and then we'll come back with the last album for this week, Psycho TV.
right, we're back, and for our last album of this week, we have uh, from 1993, Peak Hour by Psychic TV. And Hadrian, this one is your other one, so take it away. You might have noticed that last week I fucked up and said a different Psychic TV album. It's because I was panicking and forgot which album I was going to do. This is the one I meant to do all along, so we're going to go ahead and say I didn't fuck up, but I did. <laughs> so, anyway, if you don't know who Genesis Peorage is, that's fine. No, it's not. It's not. You should know who Genesis Peorage is. You should, because they are the genesis of industrial music and the, in- the genesis of Acid House. So this album that we're listening, this album this week, is very much an Acid House album, and it's it's another an apocryphal tale is that Genesis gave Acid House its name, and. Psychic TV started in 1981 after the uh, dispersal of uh, Throbbing Gristle, which I think the world is probably better off for. Nope. Uh, <laughs> uh, look, uh, Xylocon B Zombie can just stand in the the annals of history, going, "That's a that's a fucked Nazi reference," and. That's the whole reason that there's a lot of problematic shit about Robin Gressel. And industrial music as a whole. Indeed a Rooney. And so Psychic TV started off as a very experimental music group. They they went from noise to rhythms to drums to whatever they wanted. Like, like anything they wanted to do, like hardcore melodies, nothing atonal. Everything is pops and buzzes. And then by the 90s, this album, like in, starting in 1988, they started really focusing on more house-influenced music. And throughout the 90s, they would release lots of albums that were kind of taking the piss on the concept of Acid House, even though they are largely credited as like the progenitors of Acid House, because they were just trying to like make, take advantage of this scene. It's 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 amazing. It's beautiful art. It's like it's like fuck you art, and I love it. And that's kind of a lot of what Genesis does. Like so, Genesis Peorage died earlier this year on March fourteenth, twenty twenty. Uh, they had struggled with leukemia since twenty seventeen, <clears throat> and it kind of came out of nowhere. About in two thousand nine, uh, they largely retired from Psychic TV and had done their own thing, just making art and music, whatever they wanted to do, up until the time that they passed away. And I I have a lot of almost begrudging respect for, for Genesis. Um because they were taking a a real open gender fuck stance in a time where no one was prepared to do deal with that. And a lot of their art in the early in the nineties, particularly around this album uh, in 1993, Genesis met uh, Lady J, who they later married, and they introduced their concept of becoming one another, which is... Uh, apparently, I have to say the word, uh, the pandragine. Yes, I can't say it. I'm dyslexic, and sometimes <laughs> words don't sound right. Uh, so the idea was that they would become one another. They were the same being. They became Briar Peorage, and... Up until uh, Lady J died in 2007, they were known as Briar Peorage, and they were creating music in this frame. Uh, before this album in particular that we're talking about came out, uh, Genesis actually fled the UK because it was like the height of the satanic panic, and 
because Genesis was very into the occult and a lot of uh, sex magic and just general occulty shit, when the Satanic Panic got turned toward them, they were accused of molesting children. And this proved to be absolutely not true, but they were like, I'm getting the fuck out of, the in- out of England. No, and- you don't say people, crazy people in England accusing people baselessly of being pedophiles. Where have I heard that before? It's happened all over the place. People right? who have perhaps taken hormones in their life. Ugh. Well, so before, so Genesis hadn't started taking hormones when this happened. Oh, okay. So still, uh, still terrible. But. Yeah. So the apocryphal story is that this album in particular was recorded on in phone booths, uh, trying to get in. Had the masters had to be smuggled in from the UK into the United States. It's weird if that's only found that in one place. Yeah, that sounds like complete bullshit. That's why I'm saying it's apocryphal. But it's like, it's kind of the aesthetic of Psychic TV to have a story like that. The crux of the album is that it's a pretty decent acid house piece. Uh, There's one 13-minute song which fucking rocks. (laughs) And everything... I'm glad you think so. (laughs) So it's it's a it's a mixture of some noise, some acid house, a lot of uh, Genesis talking, and that used it as samples. And I I just like the feel of it. It just has a good beat. It just grooves, and it is completely different than early Psychic TV. And it's probably my favorite Psychic TV album, honestly. I think the one that you originally said we were going to do was a lot better. <laughs> but, that, that one was way more Natalie's Wheelhouse, for and sure. And that's just because, I like, Acid House is fine. Like, I like 808 State, but I just... By 1993, I did not want to hear Acid House anymore. But this it, was... It's so, like, it all sounds exactly the same, except for 808 State, which goes a little bit harder than a lot of Acid House. Like, this is way more blissed out Acid House. Um... There's stuff on here I like, but it's the stuff that deviates the most from that formula. Mm-hmm. Like, I liked Dreamlined. I liked Dreamlined, too. Um, I thought Pregnant Pause was really cool, and I wish that was a lot more of the album with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Because Pregnant Pause is, what, like a minute and a half long? Yeah. Um, like, I would have liked this a lot more if it were an ambient album <laughs> instead of a, an Acid House, Acid House album, because the ambient stuff is way better and more interesting. Um, I did like the song Lies or L-I-E-S, however you're supposed to read it, um, because I thought that actually kind of sounded like Voyager. Yeah, and I think there's a... Which Voyager was influenced by Trance and Acid House too, so, you know... There's 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 an undeniable influence from Psychic TV onto moments here, and that's fine. And like, so this album is not necessarily great on its own, it's not like the most memorable thing that Psychic TV ever did, but it is the most, I think, approachable. And I think it was probably their most commercially approachable. Yeah. And so that automatically lends itself into being dispersed in places where it'd be influential. So it's like, I didn't have a whole lot to say about it on it on its own, but I think that in the time, since, since Genesis passed away and we started talking about doing this podcast, I was like, we have to talk about them. We have to talk about Psychic TV. We have to talk about Genesis. We have to try to make it work and i'm i'm not the best candidate for this or anything on wax tracks really um but i really enjoy the feel of this little album it's not very long it it, besides uh tribal which has a very tribal acid house beat 
and you can just zone the fuck out. I have zoned out to that song several times in the last couple weeks. Like I just put it on and just just don't <clears throat> think that I'm listening to it anymore. And then suddenly like a drum kicks in a weird way and you're just like, oh yeah, that song's still on. I love it. And that's kind of what you want it to be. That's kind of what it was designed to do, which is make you just trip out on it. Well, yeah, I mean, you're supposed to be on drugs while you're listening to this. Yeah, I'm not on drugs. I'm just (laughs) doing other things. And like, yeah, the song's still happening. Uh, But I think it's a competent testament to what Acid House could do. And just, it's not as experimental as the rest of Psychic TV, but it is oddly approachable. It's almost like the the thing that would get you caught up in a web and then you go, what else has Psychic TV done? And you get like on a fucking just like nightmare tour of just like everything sounds different. Everything's weird. Why are all these buzzes happening now? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I thought this was good and you know, like Genesis is somebody who does not get the credit they deserve outside of, you know, once again, they're in, they're in that, uh, that wire, that that wire realm of like musicians love them and non-musicians don't know who they are Mm um i mean throbbing gristle without without throbbing gristle almost none of the music i love would exist in the form that it does like and then for them to have been able to for genesis you know to have been able to go on and completely reinvent themselves you know this couldn't be farther from throbbing wrestle like outside of just the this there there is a bit of an experimental spirit to it but it's way more listenable obviously yeah and not everything um, that you do not every bit of experimental music has to be unlistenable i think that's a discredit yeah. to the idea of experimenting i mean i don't think this is i would not call this experimental because it's such an acid house album like it, it's operating in a genre that or a style that was completely codified by the time it came out. Yeah, and, and I mean, and Genesis practically owns that that sound, though. So, like that—that's the thing—is that Psychic TV was on the forefront of doing this. And I, I do, I, I, I would almost agree. I think Genesis probably did name Acid House because that seems like a thing that, given the history of Throbbing, Throbbing Gristle and every project that Genesis had ever been involved with, that that is something that they were uniquely capable of dubbing something. Yeah, I'd, I've never heard of, I've never heard that before. I mean, I've, everything, and I'm no expert on Acid House, obviously, but like, everything I've ever, I've never heard Genesis talked about in the realm of Acid House before. Like, everything I looked up about this, I think it was kind of like, you know, they decided to do Acid House, which was this thing that was already going independently of them. No, they 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 had been doing Acid House adjacent and direct music since 19, 19, 1988. Right, which I'm pretty sure that, like, 808 State had been doing it at least that long, too. Yeah, so it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cohesive sound that they are definitely integral to. And, like, yeah. I, I think that that's... But this album is like the most listenable of any psychic TV album I could present on this show, and I think probably in, in upcoming segments of this, I'll probably try to drop more of these albums in. Probably not the next one of these group albums we do, but I—that's a long time from now, fortunately. So maybe it maybe it'll be fine. Maybe it will be. That's why we put the psychic TV. But you should listen to psychic TV. There's a documentary about Genesis Peerage 
that was airing on TST TST TV. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, be a, a show for that, but it's pretty cool. I recommend watching it. I think it's available other places too. Uh, it's called The Ballad of Genesis and Lady J, which is talking about uh, their their gender identity and the overall project they've engaged with. Lady, it's worth noting that Lady J died in 2007, which before they died, before Lady J died, uh, they were both collectively known as Briarpeorage. One thing you can say about Genesis is they, they lived it. <laughs> very, very yeah. much, very much lived it. Well, I, the you know, I thought this was a good album. Um, I, I wasn't wild about it, but I it, I am going to listen to more Psychic TV because I've I've listened to way more Throbbing Gristle than I have Psychic TV. So I think I'm you gonna really like Psychic, Psychic TV. Like every time I listen to a Psychic TV album, I was like, I think Natalie would like this. Which is that we live together, we're married. We should, I should maybe have said that directly to Natalie outside of a podcast, but you know, hey, Natalie, you should listen to more Psychic <laughs> TV. I think I will. Where would you like to rank this this here Psychic TV album? Uh, just below Manscape. Okay. Um, I agree with that. If you wanted to fight to put it higher, I would not be like yelling at you. I think but... it's probably in the monster above monster realm. But I just thought that I would start with the below wire to be a decent person. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a better place for it because I like Manscaped. Um, I would want to probably put it below Pretty on the Inside just because it is an Acid House album in 1993 is not that, like, it's not that big a deal. And it's not a good enough Acid House album to really, (laughs) like, blow that wide open. But the thing is, it's like, what I I wanted to say is that this is using samples and I didn't hate it. It's... It has, like, distinct, like, noise affectation, and I didn't hate it. It's all these things that come into one thing, and I'm like, yeah, this fucking rocks. Let's let's go. Which proves I can like these things. It just has to be a certain kind of sound. Yeah, this is, like, absolutely, totally, categorically not a noise album, though. No. It's, like, it's the most, the noisiest parts are, like, Old recording type stuff that they mix into ambient drones. Dreamline's the, the noisiest album, no noisiest noisiest song on the album. Yeah, but yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with where you want to put it. Okay, I mean, if you're cool with it being 36, I think that's a good place for it. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's absolutely fine. Okay, cool. I like that. Like I said, I'm being realistic here. Okay, well, so we had a whirlwind episode there. So let's let, let me recap the new ones that we added. Uh, the highest was "Win and Venetus," which went at number twenty by Breastless. Um, let's see, next one down was "Peach Hour" by Psychic TV at number thirty-six, and uh, "Eve Six by Eve Six at number thirty-eight, and the new worst album of the nineties, "The Pod" by Ween. I see that being a hard one to beat. I don't know about you, but it's gonna be hard to beat because fuck that fucking album, <laughs> fuck it. And once again, Ween fans, please don't crucify us. I I like other Ween albums, just not that one. Hey, you can put that shit on entirely on me. My name's Hadrian, and I don't fucking like Ween. <laughs> I mean, make no mistake, I I fucking hate the pod. I think it's terrible. But also, 
when we do other Ween albums, they will not automatically go at the bottom of the list because I like other Ween albums. Anyway, um, I'm going to skip the top ten because we've talked a lot really it's fast. It's a long fucking podcast. I went to the end. I don't think it's even been that long. Uh, yeah, it's it's long, but it's not going to be our longest. Anyway, what are you... Uh, oh, yeah, um, admin. Uh, if you want to see our entire list of rankings, which is up to 42 after this week... Um, you can go to bit.ly slash nr1990s. That's bit.ly slash nr1990s. You can also search on Spotify for our complete show playlist, which contains everything, all 42 albums that we have reviewed. And you can also find our podcasts there. You can find them on YouTube, and preferably you can subscribe to them wherever you subscribe to podcasts. We will be back next week. And what are you bringing for us next week, Adrian? The Devil's Briss by Voltaire or Aurelio Voltaire, depending on which version of the album you listen to. I, we're going to say Voltaire because that's how it came out. Yeah, he has since uh, started going by his first name. Yeah. Uh, Voltaire is apparently his actual middle name. All right. And so we're going to get Johnny the Homicidal Maniac up in this motherfucker next week. And I'm going... Very not Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. I am bringing, uh, in my ongoing quest to get more American rock bands on the list, I'm bringing uh, the self-titled debut album by The Muffs. Which brings a round of silence from Hadrian. He says absolutely nothing. I I, I don't know who The Muffs are. I've never actually heard this album. They're a pop-punk, kind of grungy pop-punk band. Oh, good. We don't have enough of those on the playlist. We we don't, actually. <laughs> really? Because I feel that's like all we have on the playlist. I feel like all we have is Britpop, so. Anyway. There's 42 fucking albums here now, and not all Britpop. Well, all the top 10 is. Oh, you're going to so. say that? Oh, you already. Are you, are you stunting? You're going to say the Muff's going to be in the top 10? Oh, fuck no. No. <laughs> I liked that album, but no, it's not a top 10. <laughs> I'm, I'm bringing the goth. I'm, I'm trying to bring the goth as much as I can. Yeah, we'll we'll get more into goth. It just you know, I I was I was kind of despairing recently about how little American music is on our list. Look, so. I put American music on here, and then you dropped to the bottom of the list. So like, it's well, because most of it's bad. Not not just what you bring. Like American music's just not as good in the '90s as British and Japanese music. Ah, oh, these are true facts. There's a whole reason Britpop was a fucking thing. But next week we'll add. Two more Americans. To, to, is, is Voltaire, was he born here? He's, uh, oh lord. I wasn't Hold sure on. if he was born in America. I believe he's he Puerto Rican. No, he's, he's Cuban, sorry. I was going to say, Holy yeah, shit, I he was he's Cuban. Cuban. He's a Cuban-American. Okay, cool. Edit um, that. Voltaire is a Cuban-American. <laughs> well. I'll be cutting that line out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just cut out what I said and then leave the part with me saying I'm going to cut it out and that way everyone will have to wonder what I said. <laughs> All right, so we'll be back next week for more of this and uh listen listen to Psychic TV everybody. Listen to listen to Genesis Peoria. You'll you'll be a better person for it. Yeah, they they uh took uh, Caitlyn Jenner to task before the everything went went south for them. So uh damn right.